This is The Guardian. Today, an outcry against Ofsted. Why head teachers in England are fighting back against school inspections. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Just a quick warning before we start. This episode does discuss the death of a head teacher who took her own life. Please do take care while listening. Or come back to this episode when you feel ready. For many of us, the idea of standing up in front of a classroom of 30 or so children and helping them to learn or feel inspired sounds like a full-blown anxiety dream. For teachers, the reality presents a different kind of nightmare. Underpaid, underappreciated, and under huge increasing pressure. The death of head teacher Ruth Perry earlier this month prompted an outpouring of anger in the education sector. Her tragedy has sparked a teacher's revolt. Here at this school in Newbury, just a few miles from where Ruth Perry took her life, staff filed out in silent solidarity. According to her sister, Perry took her own life after a critical inspection of her school's leadership left her distraught and humiliated. Her school was downgraded by Ofsted from the highest possible rating to the lowest. Following days of her and fury, teachers and heads have claimed that Ofsted, the government's office for standards in education, is simply not fit for purpose. This one size, uh, this is what we're judging, just doesn't work. And I think that Ofsted inspectors need to be trained a little bit better in understanding the complexities of, of, of school communities. England's chief inspector of schools said that she was deeply sorry over Perry's death. And she said it was legitimate to have a debate over how Ofsted inspects schools in the future. Unions representing teachers want inspections stopped for this week and individual schools are considering their own action. But there would be no pause in inspections. It comes at a time when morale is already at a low point across the profession. Budget cuts, increasing workloads and post-pandemic burnout. On Monday... 98% of the members of the National Education Union rejected the government's latest pay offer and are set to go out on strike again. As anger grows, some have threatened to lock Ofsted inspectors out of their schools, while others are wearing black armbands in solidarity with Ruth Perry. 
But what is it really like to undergo an Ofsted assessment? And what happens to a school when the inspectors come in? From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, the impact of an inspection from inside a school. Michelle Sheehy, you're the head of Millfield Primary School in Walsall in the West Midlands. Can you tell me how long you've been teaching and whether you always wanted to be a head teacher? Right. Well, I've been teaching for 29 years in primary school and no, I never wanted to be a head teacher really. Um, I have been a head teacher now for 13 years and I have loved doing the job. Why didn't you initially want to be a head teacher? Really because I love teaching and I thought being a head teacher would take me away from the children. Uh, but then um, you realise that when you are a head teacher, it's kind of up to you what you do. So uh, I ensured that that didn't happen and that I still got regular contact with the children and I was able to do some teaching as well. In some ways for kids, it feels like every school is the same. But for teachers, I imagine there's a slightly different culture or a vibe to each different school. Can you describe the culture at Millfield? So what we've tried to make it so that we're like uh, more of a family atmosphere. Um, we recognise that some of the children are deprived and they don't have opportunities that, that maybe others do. So we try, for example, um, our outdoor education, we have provided everything that any child needs to go camping. The year two children do a sleepover first in the hall in the autumn term, then they do a camp outside on the field and then in the juniors, every year go camping, every year. <laughs> Whether they like it or not. Whether they like it, but they all do love it. We back onto a canal, which is a huge feature um, of our school. So we use that. We ensure that um, all the children get a chance to go canoeing. We've got a wooded area where um, children can go and learn to climb trees, etc. We've got some fruit trees and... Um, We've got a bird hide and a meadow. So a heavy focus on nature, which sounds really positive. I wonder, what's the relationship with the school like with the parents? How invested are they? What's your personal relationship like? The parents are heavily invested in the school. They are very interested in the work that we do outside. Actually, in our Ofsted report, our, the inspector wrote that... Um, Wellies and raincoats were as much needed at Millfield as, as pencils and crayons. So um, I think everybody understands that culture. The parents are very keen. When we show new parents around the school, it's something that they always comment on. And lots of them cite that as the reason why they bring their children to us in the first place. As I understand it, your school underwent an Ofsted inspection in 2019. Yes. Do you remember the day that that letter first arrived or the call was made? And were you expecting it? And how did you feel? Well, you have an idea, you know, you work on a sort of four-year cycle. So you have an idea when they're due to come. One of the issues is that 
the focus keeps changing. So it's trying to second guess what inspectors are looking for when they come. It's stressful. It is stressful. I was in the position of thinking, well, we are good and I know that we are. So, you know, I wasn't worried from that point of view. But the worry is just convincing somebody else that that is the case. How much notice do you actually get before inspectors arrive? And how do you begin to prepare? The actual notice that you get is you, you get a phone call the day before. So you get an initial phone call, which is basically an admin call to let you know that the inspector will be calling you later. Um, and then you will have a, a long telephone conversation where the inspector will ask you everything about the school and arrange what the timetable will be for either the next day, if it's a one-day inspection or possibly the two days. And what's that conversation like? Do you suddenly feel like the child talking to a teacher or does it feel like an interrogation? It does. The call can go on for, you know, an hour, two hours, but there is so much to get through. You are worried that there's going to be something that you haven't thought of and, you know, you can't, it's impossible to have all of the information in your head. Uh, You need to be able to refer to things. So it, it is quite stressful to make sure that, you know, you sound confident and um, that you really have got a good understanding of what is happening in your school. And then so from there, how do you guide the staff and how do you brief them and expect them to show the school in its most positive light? That isn't really just based on um, the phone call and, and the immediate notice because you will have been doing that throughout the year. But what that phone call will tell you is the areas that they want to focus on for the deep dive, uh, where they delve into one subject, well, usually about two or three subjects, um, much more deeply than the others. What we need to bear in mind is that some teachers absolutely go to pieces in a situation like this. And, you know, hugely, I've known hugely competent members of staff um, really not show themselves and not show their knowledge to to their best when they're placed in that situation because it is very stressful for them and as a head we experience that quite a lot. What about the children? I mean are they told in assembly in stern terms that they have to behave themselves or what is it that you tell them that you expect from them? So what we normally do is um, we will have an assembly the day when we get the phone call and, and see the children and we'll say you know we're going to have a, an inspection. They're coming in to have a look at the school. And basically, we would just tell them that they're coming in to see how good they are and how good their work is. And, you know, they mustn't be afraid of talking to them. They just have to show their general, how polite they always are, that kind of thing. I don't really think that the children on the day of the inspection are particularly badly affected. I think it's in the run-up to the inspection in the year when you're expecting one that the children are really affected. Michelle, I know it's not quite the same, but in my head, an Ofsted inspection is a bit like that hour before my mum comes round and I'm shoving all my mess in a drawer or hiding in a cupboard. What's the head teacher's equivalent to this? 
what I do before an inspection is to rush around and see all of the staff. Um, I think that it's my job to ensure that they are not overstressed. They all insist on staying, you know, it's it, the usual thing is pizzas after school and then everybody stays till eight, nine o'clock whenever they feel ready. They, uh, I want to go through all the lessons that they're thinking of doing and talk them through and make sure that they're all happy with what they're doing because what you really want to do as well is to show the inspectors what is special about your school. I mean, in our case, we really push the fact that we do so much outdoor education. Okay, so take me... Take me to the next morning, the night after pizza night, when the inspectors arrive. How does the day begin for them, for you, and how many of them are there? The last inspection, we only had one inspector. So the inspector, 2019, the inspector arrived. Um, She met all of the staff. uh, And that is a very, very key moment because that's the time where the staff are either going to be confident in their dealings with the inspector or very intimidated. You know, that that first meeting with the inspector set the tone really for the rest of the day, as it always does. What exactly do Ofsted set out to do? Do they just walk into a classroom and observe randomly or, you know, do they pop by and interview teachers one by one? So it in all the inspections that I've had, I've had um, three as a head teacher and about, oh, I don't know, about five or six before that. And what they try and do is um, is to get a full picture. So they will talk to me as the head. They will talk to the subject leaders and see if we're all saying the same thing. Then they will speak to teachers. They will observe lessons and they will speak to children and, and just ensure that there there is that cohesion and everybody knows you know where it's going have you ever known those initial meetings with the inspector and the teachers or all, all throughout the day for them to go a bit badly wrong and how do you mitigate that or just handle it i have known them to go badly wrong um where the initial meeting didn't go well as i say that sets the tone um we did have an experience where the staff were really um, very, very anxious throughout the day and the inspector did nothing to put them at their ease um, and wouldn't listen to things that they wanted to tell her or to show her um, to the extent where at the end of the day we actually thought we were going to have be downgraded. That was a very, very negative experience for us. Um, conversely, we have really, if the inspectors will listen to us, that's that's what we want. Um, that's that's the most important thing, really. So in one inspection we had, we had a very, very troubled looked after child in one year group. And um, the inspector had gone in to observe a lesson and this child had really behaved badly. And... Uh, in those days, they used to grade the lessons as well. So she came out and she said, um, oh, the, yes, that's a requires improvement lesson. And I said, no, that's a really good teacher. Would you mind um, going in again? I said, and have you looked at the books? And she said, no. And I said, would you have a look at them? Um, and she, you know, she did. She went back in. She had a look at the teacher again. She looked at the book. She came out and said, yes, yeah, she's a good teacher. Because... Things like that can be so demoralising 
And I can actually make a very good, confident teacher into an inadequate teacher uh, because they totally lose their confidence. Oh, wow. Just through the summary of what the Ofsted inspector has decided. Yes, because so much is, is riding on that. They want to show what they do with teaching as a job where it's all consuming and it's, you know, it's not just a job, it's a, it's a whole life really. So if somebody is kind of implying, oh, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years, you're not really very good at it, it's soul destroying really. Do you think an Ofsted inspection can accurately pick up the vibe, culture, the standards of a school? No, there's no way because that there simply isn't time. If the Ofsted inspector was there, and I'm not advocating this, but was there for a week, you might have more chance. But it's such a snapshot, and especially the fact that you know that the inspection culminates in a one-word or two-word summary: you know, outstanding, good, requires improvement. It's it's very, very ineffective as a measuring tool, I, I believe. Um, I think my nicest um, moment in an inspection was when uh, an inspector told me that he would be very happy for his grandchildren to come to my school. That actually meant more than, than any of the reports that they write. It certainly sounds sincere, doesn't it? Well, when it is a disappointing result, or even if it's a brilliant one, do you take that personally as the head? If, there's, if there are things that they point out that are wrong and I think, oh yeah, okay, that's, we'll fix that and we'll fix this, that's fine. If they say something that I believe is completely untrue, then, you know, it doesn't really affect me. But I have witnessed in other places um, where a decision has totally decimated uh, the, the school or the institution. Do you find the inspections themselves and the results at all helpful to identify areas where you think you teachers, the school could improve? No, oh, this sounds very negative, but it's it's impossible for an inspector in one day, as I've said, or in two days, to um, come up with a judgment that I haven't been able to come up with in all the time that I'm there. We have such a wealth of information as to what is happening in school. It's not one person's problem if there's an area that needs improving. It's everybody, so we all work together. I also think that in the, an Ofsted year... Um, the teaching is, if anything, not as good as it, as it usually is. Michelle, I mean, obviously you've described it can be an incredibly stressful situation. And I wonder, when you saw the tragic news of the death of Ruth Perry the head teacher who took her life following an Ofsted report that gave her school the lowest possible rating. What went through your mind? Well, it's just so tragic, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we can't say that that's what caused her to take her own life, but I suppose it just reminded everyone of um, of how they feel when, um, you know, they're in that certain that situation because you have all of that anxiety and you just want at the end you just want to feel relieved and think yeah okay we've passed that everything's fine we can move on um so it's just made me very very sad did you talk about it with colleagues did other teachers bring it up 
I mean, obviously everybody was talking about it. And my mantra to staff is always, you know what you're doing for the children and nothing that anybody else can tell you um, should affect the fact that you know. Michelle, there were head teachers who were discussing locking Ofsted out of their schools and there were other some quite severe reactions from teaching staff. Do you understand where that impulse comes from? I do. I do understand it. I mean, um, you know, feelings run high, don't they, when something like that happens to somebody who is really one of your um, colleagues in a way. And um, if people have had dreadful experiences themselves with Ofsted, you can understand it. Um, as I say, you know, we can't automatically make that connection with that tragic case. But yes, people get angry, don't they? And I think it's a general anger because um, I feel teachers don't feel that as a profession we're respected. And I think it was just a culmination of everything. It's uh, it's not a good time for education at the moment. So um, I think it was just an outpouring of feelings, really. Well, can you tell me a bit more about that? It's not a good time for education at the moment. What exactly for a complete alien is going on? Schools are being asked to do more and more in the community um, to a huge extent, you know, where you're helping people with their financial situations by providing um, food banks, recycling school uniforms, sometimes going to houses to make sure that everybody's okay, uh, taking on a lot of the roles that were traditionally done by other, um, other agencies, which no longer exist or have been severely cut back. So there's the remit for schools is huge. The biggest challenge is really financial. We have had to lose five members of staff to try and get the uh, budget to balance for the next few years. I know that the current pay offer has been, you know, greeted with at best dismay mm-hmm. by the teachers. All in all, it's a very, very um, worrying time. And I have never known so many teachers, and I've got teach my my family of teachers as well, just feeling, you know, should I really do something else? Coming up, how can a school inspection system be made fair? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by better help. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? 
Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Michelle, from your point of view as a head teacher, and you may not agree with the way that Ofsted carry out their process of inspections, but looking at the grading system of the four categories a school can get, which are outstanding, good, requires improvement, or is inadequate, do you think those grades are fair? I think what would be the most helpful would be if we got rid of categories... Um, we wrote, a re- you know, Ofsted write a report on the school and say, this is what we found uh, to be good. These are the areas that I think the school need to look at. Your school can take that away and um, put support in place. Or, you know, there's lots of schools now that work collaboratively. That would be a way of improving schools. Do you think Ofsted is fit for purpose? No, it's not fit for purpose for all the reasons that I've said. Um like I say, I don't know any head teacher that doesn't want to be held to account. We all want that because, you know, it's important that the children have a good education and we can trust that that is happening. And government needs to ensure that that is happening. But the, the system we've got at the moment, I feel, is deeply flawed. Well, can you tell me a bit more about what you think that alternative model would look like? Because, as you said, you teachers are up for assessment. They want it, but they also want it with support. And parents and teachers generally, I'm sure, want there to be a standard of best practice when it comes to education and learning. And, you know, Ofsted does give us that easy snapshot. Exactly that. Because you say it's a snapshot, um, it can be wholly inaccurate, in my view. The reports, when they come out, um, can often be very bland. So it doesn't really show what the school does well and doesn't really offer Uh, suggestions for improvement in the area that it doesn't do well inspectors should get to know a school so I feel as though they should be local authority inspectors uh, or at least regionally based that are familiar with the school know how it works and so on. Michelle finally do you think that the government is listening to heads like yourself or has an interest to do so? No um I have got experience where I have directly uh, addressed members of uh, the government and I know that they're not listening. Um, I I know that they they listen to some heads. I think they have a group of heads that they listen to. 
I'm not so sure that that's representative of the um, of all the schools in England. You know, um, I think that's a very select group, and I think that they would really gain from from listening to us and understanding that we don't want a system where we're just left to get on with it, and you know that everyone assumes everything's okay. But we do want to be respected as a profession and we do want them to take account of our views uh, on anything to do with education because that would surely be helpful to them as well. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. That was Michelle Sheehy, head of Millfield Primary School in the West Midlands. My thanks to her. We got in touch with Ofsted for this episode, and in a statement, a spokesperson said, Inspections are first and foremost for children and their parents, looking in depth at the quality of education, behaviour, and how well and safely schools are run. Our inspectors are all former or current school leaders who fully understand the pressures of the role. We always want inspections to be constructive and collaborative, and in the vast majority of cases, school leaders agree that they are. To learn more about this story and get completely up to date with what's happening with schools, strikes and more, do head over to theguardian.com forward slash education and follow the latest coverage from our excellent correspondents. I have one more special thing for you today. The Guardian has launched a documentaries newsletter for all the avid film, culture and storytelling fans among you. It's free to sign up and be part of the community. You'll be the first to see The Guardian's own thought-provoking films and have a chance to connect with filmmakers. Sign up at theguardian.com forward slash documentaries hyphen newsletter. And that's it for today. I'm Nashi Nikbal, and this episode was produced by Morgan Eyre and Mabel banfield Nwachi. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo, The executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back again tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 